Hello, and welcome to IndieWire's Very Good Television Podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizlet on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers, Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And happy Monday. Uh, ben, how was your weekend? Oh, it was, it was glorious, Liz. It was uh, very relaxing and, and fun and, and, and cold, but, but great. How was yours? Oh, pretty nice as well. Relaxing as well because uh, I did, did my duty for Queen and Country and uh, binge, binged my way through Daredevil Season 2 on Friday. <laughs> and for some reason, I didn't feel the need to watch any more superhero TV after that. For what? at least a whole two days, I was like, I'm feeling pretty good. Well, I'm, I mean, that's good then, right? That means it satisfied the quota. Like it hit the, it hit the mark, and you, you, you were fulfilled. Yeah, I suppose. I don't know. It's weird. Normally, I always want to watch TV shows about superheroes, though I get a little particular about what kind of TV shows those might be. Hmm. Maybe we should talk a little bit about what you're looking for in your superhero shows and what would make you want to keep watching more as opposed to what would make you kind of stop for a while. Yeah, and maybe you would have thoughts as well on this very topic. Probably not, but I mean, we can try. <laughs> We're doing great. We're doing great. <laughs> Such a perfect segue into the topic du jour. I mean, I don't, if anyone felt like that was unnatural in any way, I, I'd be shocked. I'd be I'd, shocked as well. I sold it well. You did. You're a real master. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think the thing about super we've actually t done a whole other podcast prior to this one about superhero TV, uh, which we did right around the time that uh, I think it was right after the upfronts. So, it, you know, all the all the networks had officially announced plans for superhero shows, including CBS with Supergirl and NBC bringing back Heroes Reborn and ABC, of course, continuing their Marvel lineup. And what was Fox doing? Oh, Fox has gone. Yeah. yeah. So we, we were talking about then and just kind of like a gosh, there's a lot of these shows happening. And now like and now but like nine months later or so, it's interesting to look back to look at the current crop of shows and kind of see how they're evolving in this current landscape. Yeah, and there's so many of them, and they're actually pulling off like some some interesting crossovers and 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 like the, some of the ones that are spinning off. Are spinning off successfully when we didn't really expect them to, and some of the successful ones that we expected are, are seeming to be going by the wayside. And I think what's interesting to me about it, at least, and, and it's something that you kind of touched on before we started recording, um, like with Agent Carter, I feel like that's one of the superhero shows that actually gets a pretty good amount of respect, critically speaking. Like I, I feel like you mentioned that you liked uh, what you've seen so far in season two, and I've read you know uh, just a, a few reviews and, and seen a few things online about people who actually were responding to it really well, but that doesn't seem to be saving the show. Yeah, I mean, Agent Carter has always been a kind of a tricky sell. Like, rating, you know, ratings-wise, I think it did all right. It didn't do, never has never done great. Um, but I think it, it checks off a lot of boxes that we look for in terms of quality television. Like, it has an outstanding cast. Uh, it has a really strongly defined visual sense. Uh, a lot of the writing is really good. Uh, I got... I got really engaged with a couple of the character stories that were happening, and uh, it doesn't hurt to be period, frankly. Like, how many... I, is that is, is that a bias on my part? Am I stereotyping all period dramas as at least being somewhat high class? <laughs> well, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty safe association that I feel a lot of critics make, whether they want to admit it or not, if they see something that has... You know those uh, those th those period elements, especially done well or done in an alluring fashion. 
um, sometimes literally with the fashion, then that gives it a little bit of an edge. That gives it a little bit more of a, a respectability idea behind it, I guess. Yeah, but now I'm trying to think of like bad, badly done period dramas. Like they're, they've existed, certainly. I remember uh, that show Pan Am. Uh, oh, Pan Am, yeah. Uh, that was like the, the network's answer to Mad Men. Right, and it just... Despite directing by Tommy Shalami, who's always great, like that just the writing just wasn't there, I think, with that one. Yeah. You really I mean, there's no way around it in the long run. You've got to kinda of have the full package if you wanna if you wanna meet all of the requirements. But uh but no, like I I mean it's an interesting idea. I, I think that I think that Agent Carter is is a pretty good show. If 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 somebody told me they were watching that, I wouldn't look down upon them from my high critical horse. That's like a good thing so for often. me to hear. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly why it would be. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not caught up on it. But, well, uh, I mean, and I think starting with Agent Carter in the context of this discussion of what we, what, what makes for a good superhero show is interesting because I think of the current crop, it's like between that and Jessica Jones, likely for that Jessica Jones and Daredevil for, you know, most critically acclaimed of the, of this particular genre. Yeah, and I'd I'd probably give the edge to Jessica Jones right now. Honestly, um, I haven't read all of the reviews for Daredevil season two, and obviously, Jessica Jones has only had the one season, whereas these other ones are are starting to get a little more fleshed out. But um, but the response to Jessica Jones was was on par with, I mean, pretty close to 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 some of the best reviewed shows of the year. I mean, it it really got a very passionate, positive response when it came out. I feel like that's uh, that hasn't alleviated whatsoever. It didn't. It didn't dissipate. Um, yeah, that's still definitely high on our list. So um, yeah, I don't think you're forgetting any. I feel like Gotham's got a pretty good, a pretty good background to it. I feel like a lot of people have have kind of jumped on board the season two train and and really thought that it had improved and kind of come into its own in, in its second season, even if it was a little too episodic in the first season. Um, but I wouldn't put it on the same level as those other three. Yeah, but I, I do want to talk about Gotham a little bit, though, because uh, I, I forget if I've actually full-on, if I went into detail about this last time when 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 this happened. But uh, back in the beginning of February, I went to ATV Fest, and uh, which is a festival showcasing a lot of different television shows, including a lot of shows I don't watch regularly. Uh, it had been a while since I'd seen an episode, a full episode of The Walking Dead, that sort of thing. So uh, I did take this opportunity to check out shows that I'm behind on, haven't checked out in a while or ever. Uh, by the way, watching Grimm, if you haven't seen the last four seasons or five seasons, or maybe you just watched the pilot once uh, back when it originally aired, watching Grimm now, it's like watching something filmed in French. Like, I recognized the human emotions on screen. I recognized, va I recognized vaguely what was going on, but the rest of that show was in French. Like, and, <laughs> and I don't speak a lot of French. Uh, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was fun. It was a really fun experience, but I did not understand what was happening to a, to, to, to a great extent. Interesting. No, uh, I, I, have, I haven't seen it. So I would be the person who tuned, who'd be tuning in right now to have that response, but yeah. I haven't done it yet. Uh, but I did also check out Gotham after only watching a little bit of season one. And I think the thing that really struck me about it is, and this is something that I think speaks to when you really are making a great superhero show, the world of Gotham is so well-defined now. It's so, like, all the production design, all the costume design, all the, the cinematography, everything has gone, that, 
that goes into making the visual look and style of that show is so distinctly its own world and it's it's definitely like a world inspired by Bruce Tim the Bruce Tim animated series inspired by you know the Tim Burton films but you know it it feels like its own place and that was always I think now as opposed to being the adventures of baby Batman it really feels like a story about a place named Gotham and yeah you're getting the you're getting the the villain's stories uh, interwoven in that, and it's that brings a level of familiarity to it. But it does feel like its own thing, and I really respect that. Yeah, I always I always had a very strong response since they started, uh, particularly for the production design and the world building elements of it. And it's interesting they went through a change in that department. Um, I think not midway through the first season, but a little bit into the first season. And they've really, they really have developed it and grown and found like their own way to kind of convey a lot of that stuff in a, in a very interesting manner. And I think that's kind of an interesting addition to the idea that we were talking about earlier about kind of the edge that maybe period dramas get because they have these, you know, more formal elements working toward their advantage. People can literally look at that. They identify that with quality they identify that with effort. They identify that with you know creating something that we haven't seen before. And if that's there, that lent, that might help the rest of it go down a little bit easier. That might help the rest of it even uh, you know just get a better perception or, or get a foot in the door from from the beginning. Um, but yeah, Gotham is Gotham is one that's definitely working towards some very interesting ideas. It just got renewed for a third season. It seems to be doing you know pretty well in the ratings and. Uh, I mean, you know me, Liz. I'm going to watch anything Ben McKenzie's in, especially if it's on Fox. So keep going. Keep pushing that out there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I feel like I'm talking a lot about what I'm really excited about. And, you know, but you watch, a, you're less engaged with superhero shows on TV, I feel. So what are, what are things, what are, what are, beyond like the animated Batman, which we've, we've definitely discussed as being just a standout example of this genre. Uh, and beyond Gotham, beyond Batman, I guess, essentially, what are superhero shows that you've really liked in the past? Oh, God. Um, I mean, you might have named them all. <laughs> I, uh, I, I loved, I, I mean, I loved and, and, and do love Batman the Animated Series. Um, I'd probably rank that movie, I've probably mentioned this before, I'd probably rank that movie higher than, like, even Batman Begins in the in, in the. Batman movie world of, of films. Anyway, um, as as far as TV shows go, yeah, I I don't I don't really know exactly what I look for. I think part of it has been just I was never a Marvel guy, and they got their foot in the door first, and I didn't really respond to any of those characters. And what I saw just didn't really resonate with me. It felt kind of cheesy and campy, and and I couldn't take it that seriously, so I got out of it. Um, I don't know exactly what I look for. I think that's I think that's a really tough question. I think I just know it when I see it, mm-hmm. and um, I don't see a lot of it on TV. I I don't know what it is about it. I think maybe it's the action scenes because I am the one guy who keeps complaining about that daredevil uh, hallway brawl from season one. I just thought it looked ridiculous, and I don't know if that I I feel like that's something you used to be able to identify with television was that if they had to do something kind of elaborate. Be it with stunt work, be it with uh, you know filming techniques, anything like that that you rely upon if you're in some sort of action-based universe, like a lot of superhero you know movies and TV shows are, then for TV they could get away with it being a little less authentic. 
And that's just not the case anymore. Everywhere else on television has been elevated to be on par or higher quality than films, especially if you look at all of the money that's being spent by what used to be considered, like, uh, you know, Netflix was, was, has always had movies and TV, but their first thing was original series. Now they're getting into original movies. They're going to be spending $90 million on a Will Smith film that's, you know, exclusively to Netflix. You know, you, you can't get away with anything that's, that's not quite on that highest tier. And if I'm going in looking for a good action movie, which you know I love action movies, um, I need to make sure that all that's there. And a lot of the superhero shows I see, I just don't believe it. Yeah, I mean, I as someone who grew up watching Star Trek and, and developed a nickname for, like, say, the some of the martial arts sequences on those shows entitled Trek-Foo. Trek-Foo <laughs> Trek involves a lot of, like, clenching your fists and then slamming them into someone's midsection, and then they double over, and then you just slam your fist back on their back again, uh, and then they fall down. Yeah, that sounds pretty familiar. Yeah. yeah, that that happens about once every episode uh, on, on Star Trek, on all the Star Treks, <laughs> for the record. Trek-foo across, is a, a cross-franchise thing, and, except apparently for Star Trek Enterprise, where apparently the fight scenes do get better, but th- that doesn't make the show any less a piece of garbage. So, you know, oh, Ooh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting salty about Star Trek Enterprise. There's good <laughs> stuff in that. There's a dog. I like the dog, uh, but I have also... I don't know. Star Trek Enterprise is not necessarily a show that is a favorite of mine. But I want to go back to Daredevil because, of course, that's a, a key a key for this discussion. Uh, and beyond the fact that you got frustrated with that fight sequence uh, in episode two, uh, and by the way, I kind of want you to, if, if you don't watch anything else from season two, Ben, I think that you should watch uh, what is kind of... What is certainly the only the first fight sequence in my notes where I was like, oh, time! I'm going to write down the time code here because this is going to be something that we're all talking about. Uh, there's a uh, m- there's a a chase slash battle sequence in episode three of this season that is on par with, uh, or certainly the big like f- first really big flashy uh, fight in in the in the show and I will be interested to hear what you think of it and because I think it, I think it looked great. Uh, and you know there might be some there might be some hidden cuts in there, but it's otherwise a pretty one pretty smooth continuous shot, uh, and it was neat. But going back to my point, beyond that fight sequence, uh, what was your what what about Daredevil did you not respond to? Um, man, I, I mean honestly, and this is this is again talking about season one. I've not seen anything in season two, as Liz uh, mentioned just a f- few seconds ago. Um, but I, I mean, we've got, we've gotten into our discussion about Foggy Nelson as (laughs) a character and as like an actor before. And that was one of, uh, that was one of the big turnoffs for me. Um, so a supporting character can really turn you off that much on the show. If, if the, if the, if the smaller elements of the show, if like, if some of the key things that pop up again and again, which, you know, would be the action, there's always going to be some sort of action, some sort of fighting going on. And if, if their big effort for it isn't believable to me and that doesn't help me get into the rest of them, then, you know, yeah, it's, that's going to be damaging throughout the whole show. If you've got a supporting player that's kind of in there for, uh, he was in there for like you know, a little bit of comedic relief. He was in there as like a little bit of a love interest or somebody who was like trying to make some things happen in that regard, which are, which are big elements for me when I watch a show that uh, that isn't an- isn't asking bigger questions. Um, yeah, I, I didn't respond to those, so that pulled me out of it. 
the the basic story of it to me is still fairly ridiculous. I never was a big fan of the Daredevil character, you know, ever. <laughs> so I don't so I don't have a lot of things that are pulling me into this uh, from out, from outside of that fact. And then I mean, the, I I didn't respond that strongly to the villain. Uh, I didn't respond that strongly to the quest. I liked Rosario Dawson a lot. I'd love to see her more in just about anything, anytime. But then it comes back to the another discussion we've had before where we talk about kind of, you know, whether or not being on an okay show or being in a show is wasting somebody's time where it's like, I think Rosario Dawson could be doing a lot better than Daredevil. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's not something I hated. It's not something I'd say was bad. It was just something where I was like, well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I expect it to be. And for me, you know, the standard, there needs to be a TV version of The Dark Knight to, to up the game. There needs to be something that comes out where it's like, okay, this is the new standard for superheroes, for superhero shows, and that's going to push me over the edge and, and get into it. Because I just don't think that's happened yet. Yeah, I mean, meanwhile, the thing, the thing that tonally did the did daredevil alienate you at all like because it is it does strike such a specific you know feel and tone right from the beginning well yeah and you could tell that it's it's definitely trying to play off of the idea that you know these shows have to be or, or these these stories these these stories of people running around in tights or or you know Hot leather outfits. pants, hot, hot leather, leather pants. Yes, hot leather pants. You know, they could be taken seriously, and they take it so very seriously. Everything is very dark. Everything is, you know, very brutal, and there's a lot of strong, you know, there's blood and violence. Um, you know, that's fine and dandy, but you you really got to grasp the authenticity of it and not just play towards a darker tone. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 to me, it just kind of seemed, it seemed silly. Like, they don't connect to those two ideas so it's just it just came off as a little silly. I didn't I didn't have to take it as seriously as they were taking themselves. So it just that doesn't line up. Mm-hmm. What about I mean, in contrast to that, you 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 weren't like over the moon for Jessica Jones the way I was, but you did like it. I did, yeah. I thought that Jessica Jones, uh, her character specifically, was played out um, in a much more interesting fashion from like episode to episode. I didn't have a good background on her besides what you'd kind of told me leading up to the show's release. So kind of learning all of these things as we go, um, I really thought that that she had a very strong central performance, something that I could engage with much more than Charlie Cox, who's fine. He's doing a fine job, but nothing over the over the top. Whereas if Ritter gets uh, an Emmy nomination, I'd be all for it because I thought she was fantastic. Plus, she did have a perfect villain to compliment her and to really you know bring that story out. And that story worked really well because it didn't take itself overly seriously all the time. It had more of the noir aspect to it than just the the gratingly dark um, New York black hole that that Daredevil exists in. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I mean that that worked really well for me up until the point where they kind of got a little goofy with their you know uh, superhero powers and coming up with potions and and serums and and ways to affect that it was when it was a psychological thriller it worked really really well when it was a when it was a noir that was using these other elements as you know even some sort of uh comedic effect like those sex scenes were great like they they really worked really well between her and luke cage um yeah i i mean there's a there's a lot to like about that and with daredevil there's just for me it's just a little more run-of-the-mill mm-hmm. 
it's interesting you bring up the idea of like serums and all that because it was something I was thinking about we were talking about Agent Carter before, which is the fact that you have all these really striking, beautiful period elements, all the, you know, the hair and makeup, the costume, the wardrobe and everything and the setting. And then uh, in the middle of that, though, you have like the weird CGI crap happening, uh, like, you know, people people becoming monsters and or ghosts or what have you. And I was trying to think about like, I mean, that how how that affects my my perception of the quality of the show um and in general like you know when i think what what all these superhero shows that we're discussing have in common is they don't treat themselves like comic book shows they treat themselves like you know dramas or a, a, some some variety of genre of drama uh genre of drama wow i could i, I said i said that uh but you know, they treat themselves as that first, and then, oh, yeah, by the way, people have superpowers, and weird shit keeps happening to them. Yeah, and that, that works really well when it's done like you're describing it. I just don't feel like that balance is always there for all of these. Um, but I think it's important, too, to talk about the other side of the coin, which are kind of the superhero shows that I feel like you talk about the most, which are more of what's going on at the CW. And, you know, like... I don't track Flash and Arrow uh, week to week. I haven't even seen, I don't think, a full season of either one. Um, but what I, when I do watch them, I can, you can see what they're trying to do. You can see what their goal is, which is to have more of kind of more fun with it, make it like a little bit thrilling, a little bit maybe dangerous from time to time. But it's not trying to go to that level that you know Daredevil is trying to go to uh, of, of an extremely dark drama, or even where Jessica Jones is trying to do, where it's trying to play in genre um, and and have fun with that kind of uh, you know, cross uh, crossing of genres, blending of genres. Um, it's it's very much existing in its own world as well, and I think those work really really well. I think those are some. I think those are perfect shows for what they're trying to be. Uh, from what I've seen of them, and I love more than most things in this world hearing your excited responses to what's going on on Arrow and Flash when you're in the middle of a binge or when you've just got it on you know, to catch up during the day or whatever because you're having so much fun with it. And that's great. That's exactly what they, you know, TV needs. Yeah, I mean, I often point to those shows as the shows I watch to feel like I'm actually watching television as opposed to working. Like, uh, they are, they, they, watching those shows, I mean... When, when your job is watching television, it's important to have some television on the back burner that you can point, you can turn to when you really just want to sack out on the couch and enjoy some really great storytelling. Uh, it is it's such a all you, you didn't mention Legends of Tomorrow, aka the best yeah. show on television. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have I didn't have quite the same joyful experience watching. I think just the pilot of Legends you watched, of Tomorrow. Did you watch the pilot? <laughs> yeah. I oh did. my god. Ah. Ben, we should have talked about it. All the all the joyful things in that pilot. <laughs> I, I didn't find the same joy, and in those things, I don't think as as you did. So I to, didn't want to wanna try to. I didn't want to take away from it. No, that's in fair. Any way. I mean, to be fair, no one. It it, it, no, there, it takes a lot. It takes a very highly evolved consciousness to understand just how brilliant Wentworth Miller's acting is in that that's show. True. Like, I'm you, not there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, it's, it's okay. Like, I understand. You know, I wish that you could, you could understand it on the level that I do. It's Someday, so, I'll try to. You know, I'll start uh, reading more. I'll take some classes. Yeah, um, it, it, yeah. I think Legends of Tomorrow is is pure guilty pleasure for me at this point. But it's so, it's so delightful. 
uh, that I, I don't feel guilty at all about it. But, you know, it's interesting. But talking about these shows, like, Legends of Tomorrow is just, like, insane in, uh, over in its little time-traveling corner. Uh, and then you've got... But Flash and, Flash and Arrow are always really interesting to discuss because uh, both shows are de- very much of the same world, uh, very much interconnected to an alarming degree, apparently. Uh, apparently some of that cast gets really tired having to run from one set to the other uh, for, for crossover <laughs> episodes. Uh, but they are different shows. And I think actually Arrow's a very, Arrow's always been kind of, it's at, the, at this point now it's in season four and season, it, season by season, like it keeps trying to figure out how dark it can be while still be be being entertaining and season three definitely was the weakest season so far and in part because you know they just didn't they just uh, kept pushing the line on what what would be compelling in terms of certain narratives season four is actually going arguably even darker like Mm. Especially because uh, Arrow's always been a show in dialogue with itself about the fact that it kills people on a regular basis. And, like, its protagonist, mm-hmm. like, his pr- the, the, the Arrow in Arrow, like, flat out murders people for, the, for most of the, for the first season. Like, that's, like, a thing. Like, he just is, a, he's got a bow and arrow and he shoots arrows into people and then they die. Like, because that's how that works. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, like, meanwhile, The Flash is actually, I think, of all the shows we've discussed, The Flash is probably the most pure comic book, pure classic superhero comic book of all of them. And it's, 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 it's meant to be a little lighter. It's meant to be a little more joyful, but it still pushes the characters in certain directions and has fun with it. Like, there's a... And I don't know if that makes it the best superhero show on TV. I don't think it is the best superhero show on TV. But as if... if if we're looking for what you said, like the flip side of the coin, like the show that's a superhero show first and then a drama, like that's, I think, the perfect example. Well, I think you're, you're bringing up a good point, which might be a good one to kind of wrap up on and, and just the theory of maybe we shouldn't even be talking about all of these shows together. Like maybe instead of, like it's easy to say superhero shows and kind of lump all of the superhero shows into one big thing. Um, but you know, if, if we've already kind of divided up TV into into genres unto itself, um, and then we kind of gauge, you know, which one's the best in that genre. Maybe we should be looking at these in in a different format. Like, I mean, I feel like Jessica Jones and Daredevil are definitely trying to be dramas. Like, they're just trying to be straight dramas, like we talked about, that have these other things going on. Um, Arrow is one that might be, you know, blending somewhere in the middle where it's, 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 maybe it's just a very good, uh, broadcast drama as opposed to, you know, the cable dramas that, that Netflix are putting out and for lack of a better word. Um, and then you've got the flash and, and, you know, legends of tomorrow that, you know, maybe they're more just on brand for the CW. Maybe they're more, um, just kind of your, your fun escapism kind of television entertainment. And, uh, Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll insert, in that category as well, Agents of Shield, uh, which yeah, right, which I think has you know occasionally does push into the drama realm, but is you know pretty comic booky in its storytelling. Yeah, and with Supergirl too, I I, I don't I haven't seen enough of that. I think I've only seen the pilot of that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but from what I've heard, I feel like that's also one that's more in line with kind of the Flash, where it's more about having some fun. Like there's a little bit of of of, of soap opera drama going on within it. 
but it's also just very well made and very well acted, and they've kind of focused on that, and, and they're building that up as they go. Yeah, and um, it's it's worth noting, you know, credit credit the creators like Greg Berlanti's overseen all four right. all right. four of uh, all these shows except for Agents of Shield. Like Agents of Shield belongs to Marvel, belongs to the the Weed family, uh, but. Yeah, Greg Berlanti's got Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, uh, Flash, and Arrow technically under his banner. Yeah, but I mean, I guess, so I guess my question would be, like, I guess maybe my mind is just stuck in the Emmys right now. Right. But if we were going to pit these shows against each other in a category, it wouldn't seem fair to me to put Jessica Jones up against The Flash. Like, that doesn't seem like there's enough comparable elements there. They're not trying to do the same thing. So, you know, it would be better, maybe it, maybe it would be better to try to, you know, look at them in, in different realms than just, yeah, okay, well, there's there's a superhero in that, so I guess it's one of those shows. It's It, it may be a completely different experience. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and I don't think the, I don't think the Flash is going to spend a lot of money on four-year consideration ads uh, this go-around, I think, except for the technical categories, which are always, you know, a, an interesting playing field. Uh, but below the line, a lot of these shows are doing really strong work, so that's that seems fair. Yeah, and I mean, not even necessarily competing for the Emmys in, in like an actual realm yeah. because I'm not sure if Daredevil is going to be trying to steal spots from House of Cards and Bloodline and some of the other Netflix dramas. Um, you know, it very well could, but I don't know. And um, well, But like, it, it, just in the theory of like if they had to compete against each other, would it have been fair to lump them all into the superhero category? Probably not. Probably not. Uh and would would the Emmys even have ever have a superhero category? Oh God, no. Well, maybe I don't know. <laughs> Who knows what will happen? The, the Emmys are a little looser than the Oscars. They they might try to have some fun with it down the line. Who knows? Who knows? They have like all those random, weird, like animated short form categories. You know? Sure, and they're they're always kind of experimenting with different categories. You know, breaking up uh, the Variety Award into Variety Sketch and and uh, Variety Talk. Uh, you know, trying to play around with this new limited series thing that's happening and, and breaking that off from TV movie when they had to, had joined those together because they just didn't have enough of either of them. Um, they're always kind of playing around with categories, so they might try to figure out a way to to be more inclusive because, you know, that is part of the fun of the Emmys. You get to talk about a lot of different television, and, uh, you know, most of it's very, very good. Well, you know what it is, probably? Like, here's here's the, here's probably the easiest way to do it is break up the writing categories into adapted. Um, oh, yeah, that could work. Like that's how that's I mean I mean for like Jessica Jones is a pretty a pretty clean adaptation of uh the original comics it's based on, you know, with it's it's huge deviations in a lot of respects, but you know, even if even with the Oscars, even if it's just like vaguely based on characters from a previous movie, like before Sunset uh got nominated for best adapted screenplay, not best original because those characters previously existed. Um, like even something as minute as that, like you know, could be a way for a way for shows inspired by comic books to get their own sort of attention. Yeah, and especially the ones that you know, either deserve it or or you know, are, are actively seeking it. You know, it'd be nice to to have something out there for them. I'm just really, I mean, I just want to be able to say the words one day: Emmy Award nominated Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I hope. Well, I don't even know if I hope for that to happen, Liz. I think it would make you happy enough where it would make me happy, too. Aw, thank you. Yes, just go along with it. Right. Anyways, Ben, this leads me to ask, what was the best thing you watched last week? Um, the best thing I watched last week is actually something I feel like I've talked about fairly recently, but I've got to give another shout-out to it. 
the grinder is just doing some really great stuff right now. Like, I, don't, I don't even really know how to get into the specifics of it because it feels like it's taken a very focused approach on what to me at first seemed like maybe a one or two part episode, but it's become this whole serialized thing where his dad is going through um, uh, some some legal issues and, and his sons are trying to help him out with it, but you know Rob Lowe's character is also going through his own kind of crisis and 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 you know he he's trying to get rid of the grinder persona and now he's trying to bring it back. He doesn't know if he can do it. They're doing some they, the ways that they incorporate kind of the various aspects of, of genre television and the meta commentary and comedy that they insert into the show. It, it still. Can, it just continues to amaze me because it never gets in the way of any of the jokes landing as the jokes that that they are, like as the jokes as somebody who somehow would read this completely straight. Um, so I'm just, I was just, I saw the most recent one uh, kind of randomly I, I, and it just kind of reminded me, I was like, I really got to talk more about this show because it's it's terrific. No, I absolutely agree. Uh, I, I it's a show I need to I need to be ke- keeping up with as well, just because it is so it is so smart in so many respects, and it is it's, it's a show that's been trying to kind of it's been it's been faced with the unenviable position of trying to figure out what kind of show it is as it's in production. Uh, that usually doesn't lead to super smooth sailing. It has a showrunner turnover uh, at the beginning as well, which is always problematic. Uh, but yeah, I think it's, I think by now it's like really figured out what kind of show it can be. Uh, and especially like you said, bringing in the serialized element, uh, seems like it's given it a lot of juice. Yeah. And I, I feel like they've made just excellent transitions from one to the other when, as they're trying to toy out or or play out the different scenarios in which this could work and how it's going to work long term. You know, you have to, the way they've got it set up, you have to be able to explore kind of different things that would lead you to want to go in the more episodic nature but the show just works better in a serialized format especially uh, competing with all of the great comedies that are out there right now um, so yeah I, I think that they're doing an incredibly admirable job kind of working on the run and uh, watching it is, is also just nothing but a pleasure um, but Liz hey what, uh, what was the best thing you watched last week? Well uh you were out for a couple of days and I was all alone and I had no one to talk to (laughs) and I got really lonely. And, uh, so I decided to start a rewatch of this TNT show from, that began a couple years ago called leverage, which I feel like if I haven't mentioned it on this podcast before, that feels weird because I love leverage. Leverage is such a it, it's a you know it was a you know not not ever you know like, like more of a you know just pure entertainment sort of spectacle uh you know show, show about con men trying to do nice things for people uh but it had a lot it had a great cast uh timothy hutton uh gina bellman aldous hodge uh uh god uh christian kane uh and uh, you know other a, a lot of great amazing guest stars along the way, uh, and it was just fun. It's just a fun show, and it's like it's it's very much a stand you know episode of the week uh, standalone caper. But they try to build it up more than that it, from time to time. There's season long arcs that go along with that, and also uh, the you know the characters are really well defined and the chemistry is great. And so it's it's just a pleasure to watch. It's been a perfect uh, co working show uh, <laughs> to keep me company. In my lonely, lonely days. Well, I'm, I'm very sorry for leaving you alone, Liz. I'm glad it's, that you found a TV show that could work as a replacement to, to keep you to company. To human interaction. Our, yeah, exactly. 
just during the work days. <laughs> that's all. Right. That's all I needed. Uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, it was. It, if you've never checked out Leverage, uh, you might be pleasantly surprised by it. It's it's a it's a fun show. It's available for streaming. They did. They managed to get five whole seasons made. It was always one of those shows that was about to get canceled yeah. until it did actually get canceled. But they they end. They had a really strong ending planned out for if they ever did end, and so they got to execute it. And yeah, uh, I mean, it's not a perfect show. There's some flaws, some weird plotting choices, that sort of thing. But I, I got into it. Uh, so, Ben, question for you: What's the next thing you're looking forward to? Uh, the next thing I'm looking forward to is actually something that I don't that I kind of go one way or the other with. Like I, I have a very extreme reaction um, where I just hate it or I love it. And it's it's gonna be the new uh, Shonda Rhimes series. It's the catch on ABC. Yeah. Um, I am. I think Marielle Marielle Enos is a terrific actress. I I mean, even when the killing was was bad, and it was bad for a while, uh, <laughs> she was great. And even in one of the worst movies I've ever seen, called Sabotage, which is an Arnold Schwarzenegger action movie, she's great in it. But the movie is just awful. So kind of no matter what, I know that she's going to be at the core of this. I've wanted her to have her own show again for a while. Um, and what's, what I can't decide, I think what's going to be the, the make-it-or-break-it point is Peter Krause because he's playing this smooth con man, like this long con generating guy. Like I, don't, like I don't know if he's a spy or a government worker or just, just a con man who's been doing it for a while or something. I can't take that seriously. In my head, I can't imagine. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous. After watching all of Six Feet Under and Parenthood, the idea of Peter Krause playing anyone who could pull off any sort of elaborate lie just is insane to me, especially in a smooth fashion. Um, so either that's going to, he's going to somehow sell it, or he's going to somehow make it work to his favor, and that kind of funny, giddy feeling that you get where you're just like, this is ridiculous, but it's so fun, I don't care that's going to happen or it's just going to crater and it's going to be like how to get away with murder which i hated so yeah. um so yeah but i'm looking forward to uh to seeing which way i flip yeah no i'm, I'm excited to hear what you how, hear how, how you fall I've, I've actually seen the pilot uh for so i've seen the first episode uh again at atv fest thanks atv fest mm. um uh, but and i a, I didn't, I, I wasn't like prepared for any sort of problem buying P Peter Krause because I love me some Peter Krause no matter what. Uh, so I don't, I don't, I don't go in for qualifiers with Peter Krause is what I'm saying. Uh, but I didn't have any of those issues. And I think it's, you're going to be, hopefully you'll be pleasantly surprised at least by him. But actually, I'm really glad you brought it up after me talking about leverage because it feels very much. Uh, connect. It, it feels very spiritually connected in some ways, and also, but stylistically, it's a it's a pre, it's a really solidly constructed show. Uh, there's a lot of really great twists, a lot of great you know scenes and montages and whatnot. Like I, we'll see how it actually plays, but especially as, as it goes down, it goes goes a few more episodes. But I'm I'm pretty excited for it. I think I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I, uh, it's one that I that actually kind of slipped under my radar for a little bit. I remember when we were at the TCAs, they were talking it up a lot, and I was like, okay, i got to make sure I watch that. Um, and then for some reason, I thought it was going to come out sooner, and then it didn't. And I looked it up, and I saw where it did. It's coming out Thursday. It's March 24th. Right. It's going to have its premiere. And um, I don't think I would have forgotten that necessarily, because I always you know, keep track of what's coming out the week of. But uh, a, a shout-out to one of our loyal listeners and a, and a friend of mine who, who's been talking about the catch and is also very, very excited, who put it right in the front of my brain. Nice. Uh, 
So thanks, buddy, for, 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 <laughs> yes, for reminding thank me. You. Thank you for keeping me on my toes. I rely on all of our loyal listeners to make sure that I know what to watch. Um, Liz, on the other hand, she can do it all by herself. She's, she's the queen. So uh, please, what, do you, what are you looking forward to next? Oh, something that I'm also a little bit on the fence about, uh, which is uh, Outlander, uh, a show that I've always kind of, I've always really enjoyed watching to some, res- to some, to some respect, but it's always like, that's a complicated one. Uh, I feel like it's at times like trying to push too hard into one area or another. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't yet figured out exactly where I land on Outlander, but I know that I will be checking out season two before its launch in April. And I'm excited to see wh- what they're doing with it. I think they're going to be having a little more fun with the time travel aspect, which is always a uh, soft spot for me. Uh, and. Yep fancy period dress and uh, people having crazy uh, Scottish Scottish Highlander, Highlander sex. So, you know, I'm, I'm okay. I'm covered there. Yep. I think, yeah, I think there's going to be something in there that you like unless it just, you know, completely goes off course and they, they cut out the time travel and they cut out the, the crazy Scottish sex, uh, which just seems ridiculous. They would never do that. So I think, I think you might be able to figure out where you stand on Outlander after you get a little bit of season two. Yeah, just a, just a taste and I'll be good. Yeah. Um, and you'll be able to see, I'll, I'll try to write some words about Outlander and then put them on IndieWire.com where we will have lots of other words about lots of other shows, including reviews, interviews, features. Uh, Emmy season is basically starting now, guys. So get ready for a lot of content revolving around uh, television's biggest awards and, uh, and how, we, how we see the current landscape fitting into that paradigm. And an integral figure in that is going to be our very own Ann Thompson, who also hosts a podcast with our very own Eric Cohn. Uh, it's called Screen Talk. I think we may have talked about it once or twice on this show before, and I'm sure you're all listening to it by now, but this is just your reminder to make sure you're caught up on your on your great podcasts. And uh, while you're doing that, of course, you know, obviously, IndieWire Influencers with our editor-in-chief, Dana Harris, top of your list. Make sure you're knocking that out every week, and you'll be all set. Yeah. You should also be checking out Ben's Twitter at Ben T. Travers. And you absolutely be, must be looking over Liz's Twitter feed, and that's at Lizlet with an I and an E. Correct. We'll be back next week uh, talking yet more about television, or maybe we'll just talk about Batman v Superman, colon, Dawn of Justice, because yep, done. that's Sold. a movie that exists. And it's, God, it's happening. Are it's we, real. And nobody, nobody's going to want to talk about TV after that. It's going to kill television. <laughs> either that or it'll, it'll boost television so much because everybody will be fleeing to find some other version of superheroes to watch immediately and they'll be like oh I guess I'll start Arrow now yeah. oh I guess I'll start The Flash Arrow man, start, start from Arrow work from there yeah. um, we'll be back next week as I just said and in the meantime you guys keep watching television 